G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The other Sunday, the pastor at my church was talking about dying. He made the point that people's greatest fear is to die alone. Hmm, I'd never thought of it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. So, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, as it turns out, everything. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program as we take another look at Christmas from a different perspective. I know it's kind of a weird perspective from which to come at the story of Christmas, but hopefully as we chat together, it'll start to make sense. Death, dying, is pretty much the one taboo subject left in our society. We can talk about pretty much anything else, but not dying. And the last thing that you and I really want to think about is dying, but humour me, because I want you to put yourself on your deathbed, hopefully quite a few years away from now, and imagine how you'll feel. Would you be afraid of dying alone? I'm guessing you would, particularly in a hospital room, sterile, white, disinfected, clinical, with tubes coming out of you and those squeaky sounds the nurse's shoes make on the floor. The idea of being completely alone at the end is a terrible thought. Now and then you hear about an elderly person who died all alone in their home and and their body wasn't discovered for seven or eight years. That's frightful. Imagine how the end must have come for them. Of course, you don't have to wait to die in order to be alone. So many people are desperately alone, sometimes through circumstances, but mostly as a result of their sin. That may sound a bit weird, but but sin, turning our backs on God, going our own way, ushers in death very quickly. That's what God promised Adam and Eve would happen if they ate from that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he forbade them to eat from. The Lord commanded the man, you may eat freely of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. The result of that apparently minor transgression? Well, God said to them, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain shall you bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. You are dust, and unto dust you shall return. Genesis chapter 3, verses 15 to 19. The immediate result of that sin was broken relationships, a broken relationship between God and Adam, and a broken relationship between Adam and Eve, and broken relationships mean loneliness and strife. So what was God's solution to that distance that we put between him and us through our sin? How did he address that? Well, it was simple, really. It was a complete no-brainer for him. 
All he had to do was to follow the longing of his heart. And we know what that is because he tells us what it is over and over again in the Old Testament. Let's have a look at just one example, Leviticus 26, verses 11 to 13. God said, I will place my dwelling in your midst, and I shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be slaves no more. I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you to walk upright. The longing of God's heart is to be close to his people. He's our father. He loves us. Of course that's the longing of his heart. And yet through the whole of the Old Testament, we see how God's people struggle to honour him. In fact, the name Israel literally means to struggle with God. They failed all the time, over and over again. And over and over again, he forgave them. It was this constant merry-go-round, and it wasn't working. So here was his plan. A plan that, as I said yesterday, wasn't some fallback. It was always his plan A. Are you ready for it? Here's God's plan. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 10. Speaking about Jesus, it says, He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people didn't accept him. But to all who received him, or who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not out of blood or out of the will of the flesh or of the will of a man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and of truth. The plan was for God to take a giant step towards us. Even though we drifted so far away from him that we really didn't know him anymore, this God, who had an intimate personal relationship back then at the beginning with Adam and Eve, the Word, that's Jesus, the Word became flesh and lived amongst us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But can I give you the literal meaning of that verse? Because when you have that, it makes a lot more sense. It literally says that Jesus became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, set up his home amongst us. It's the language of the Exodus, where God's presence travelled on the 40-year journey through the wilderness with his people in that tent, in that tabernacle. Jesus coming to this planet is Jesus stepping out and coming close to you to travel on your journey with you, on your Exodus. That's what makes this Christmas thing so amazing, to set you free, to make sure that you are never alone not through the problems of this life, not through the fractured relationships and the enmity that exists in this world through our sin, not through that time where we come to the end of this life, and not for the rest of eternity. Christmas is Jesus coming close. Christmas is God following the desire of his heart to be close to you and me by sending his son to be on our journey with us. Are you getting this? Is this touching your heart as I tell you this age-old story with a new twist? That new twist is that Jesus came for you. Jesus came to be on your journey. Jesus came to bring you comfort, to bind up your broken heart, to bring release from captivity of your sin, to be on this journey every step of the way. And what a terrible price he paid for that so that we could see his glory and know him and experience a one-on-one intimacy with him. Now let me bring you back to your deathbed. What if, 
instead of being terribly alone on your deathbed, you experience the very presence of Jesus right there with you on your journey with his love and his forgiveness and his grace and his peace and his mercy. What if instead of being terribly alone, you come to know as each second ticks by on that clock, you are drawing closer and closer to that time that you will see that Jesus face to face. I don't care what bad things have happened to you in your life. I don't care how lost and alone you may feel. It doesn't matter because Jesus is in this place with you and he will never leave you and never forsake you because on that starry, starry night in Bethlehem, he came for you. He came to say, I love you. He came to suffer and die for you. He came to rise again and give you a completely new life with your slate wiped clean. He came to set you free. He came to bring you peace. He came to be with you for every minute of every day for the rest of eternity. That's Christmas. That's what God was doing by sending us his son. That's what we're celebrating, or at least what we're pretending to celebrate over this coming week. Do you get it? Jesus came for you. And if you have nothing else to celebrate this Christmas, then celebrate that. It's all you need to make your Christmas the best one ever. And remember, I'm praying for you that this message, this incredibly good news of Jesus, will light up your heart with a joy unspeakable. Hey, social media is a great way to stay connected to your friends and the world around you. And we'd like to invite you to be part of the Christianity Works community. The Christianity Works community is full of daily thoughts and devotions and inspirations. So no matter what kind of day you're having, you can be encouraged. If you're on Facebook, search for the Christianity Works page and like us. When you do, you'll see some encouragement from your friends and community at Christianity Works, including free booklet downloads from time to time. But more than that, it's a library of thoughts and verses that you can share with your friends and family. So we'll be sharing God's Word together. It's a great way to share the good news of Jesus amongst all the chaos. Amen. So like Christianity Works on Facebook, be encouraged and blessed, and share some of that with your friends as well. I pray that your heart will be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.